Thank you guys for praying for our kids. The prayer of a righteous man is effective. Amen? It is power to bring down strongholds. Can I have an amen on that? If you don't think powers and principalities are attacking your kids, you've got another thing coming. If you don't think the world is trying to infiltrate our sons and daughters, it is, right? And so we need to uh, increase our intercession and prayer for them, and that's why we're doing this. So thank you for taking a kid. Thank you for being a part of the solution. Thank you for bombarding heaven with these precious ones because they are revivalists. They're going to turn the nations upside down with the glory of God. And we are a part of raising up a, a passionate, aggressive lovers of God. Can I have an amen on that? Say, I'm a passionate, aggressive lover of God. And now say it like you mean it. I'm a passionate, aggressive lover of God. I'm a passionate, aggressive lover of God. Mm-hmm. That's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm. That's who we are. Father, I thank you. That's who we are. Father, we are loved by you, and you have done something in our hearts that compels us to love others well. And Father, today I pray that uh, as we get in your word, God, that you would... Uh, just rest upon the, this word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just release a spirit of wisdom and revelation over us and over even myself as I share it. Father, that you would put words even in me as I share it, God, that the revelation would come to us and that we would begin to understand your heart the motivation of why you do things the way you do them so that we can believe good <laughs> and believe well and therefore reflect the glory and the beauty of who you are. So Lord, be with us today. Father, I love you. And Lord, I thank you that you love us <laughs> so much. And so we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, Shelly already mentioned earlier how great the Father's heart school was yesterday and I'm uh, still uh, meditating on some of the revelation that uh, the Lord uh, spoke yesterday and I don't know how far I'm going to get today on today's message uh, if you're if you're with us as a guest or if you're with us online we have been going through uh, Galatians over the last several weeks and so we're preaching I'm preaching on Galatians today uh, chapter basically chapter 5 is where we're going to go today. Uh, but if you're online or you're with us today for the first time, you're welcome to jump in with us on our reading plan. Um, and I'll give you more details about that at the end of the message. But the Word of God is just so rich. Can I have an amen? amen. It's interesting, yesterday when Tony decided not to do, I think it was session 5, as I went, uh, which was it? Thank you. And he didn't just, he decided not to do session four. As I was looking over session four this morning, it was really my message last week. And it, it, he had all the Galatians chapters that I shared last week. And it's not to, to promote me. It's, it's just God has us in a sweet spot right now as a church. And he's wanting to bring revelation to us. And he's wanting to, it, it really is this thing, is he's wanting us to have really great beliefs. To believe the Word of God and to have really good beliefs and that our belief system what I believe I will behave yes. 
what I believe about God's word, what I believe about his truths, what I believe about his nature and the glory of who he is. is. As I believe well, I behave well. And so what happens is in our culture, the world is constantly telling us what we're to believe. The world is constantly eating and eroding at what we believe. The world's constantly seducing us in what TV and media and what all the forms of entertainment and all the things that we see with our eye gate, our ear gate, those gates that we allow things to come in. The world is speaking a truth to you that is not true. But because we believe that truth, we behave that truth. And so last week I started talking about how what you believe is what you will behave. I really even mentioned that not, it even goes further than that is what I believe I will behave, but what I behave and behold I will become. And I'm about becoming. I, I tell you, I have striven, even, even, in, even in the thing this week or yesterday, um, as Tony had us, I really will get to my message, bear with me here. Uh, when Tony was sharing with us uh, one of the truths that we are loved and we are beheld by the Lord and how we are to allow the Lord to love us, I have, I, I, the Lord began to download a truth in, and he had us just be quiet and he said, just allow the Lord to love you right now. And I, I was getting nothing I was getting absolutely nothing, and, and, and what I'm realizing is I have been so focused on loving others and loving God, sometimes I don't allow the Lord to love me, and I didn't realize that, and so the vision that I had in that revelation there was I, when he said, you know, kind of vision the Lord, whether you see it, hear it, smell it, feel it, whatever, and I saw myself going up like the Lincoln Memorial, you know, all the steps, and I was going to the throne of God. And I'm going to tell on myself, I'm getting a little vulnerable here, okay? You guys like vulnerability, right? And so, as I got partway up the steps, I stopped, and I was like, man, that's a lot of steps. <laughs> and I was asking the Lord, what, what, do you, what do you want to do? And all of a sudden, God got off his throne. He started to come to me. And I thought he was going to make me sit down on those rocky hard steps. But he comes and he takes my hand and he takes me over to this two-seater swing underneath a tree where the breeze is blowing. And it still wasn't enough. He was wanting to reveal you're worthy of love. He was wanting to reveal I want to love you. So then he took this is where it gets real vulnerable. My kids will understand it. Be quiet, I'll understand it. Don't cry. <laughs> Suck it up, soldier. Then the Lord took me to Avon Lake, where we go every summer. Though we haven't gotten to go for two years because of COVID. <laughs> And we have this double hammock that sits between two beautiful pine trees. And, wow, Karen and I lay in it often. 
and we'll just lay there and swing in the breeze. And me and Papa God hop up on the, on the hammock. I wasn't going to go here today. And we hop up on this hammock, and, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Guys hugging guys, like Tony said, you know, us guys don't have this bridal paradigm because we're, you know, we have an understanding of husband-wife type thing, but there was this exchange of just being there. And even this morning as we got into worship, I sat down. I'm so used to going to the Lord to worship Him instead of the Lord allowing the Lord to love me. And I just sat there for a moment letting the Lord love me this morning. I think we've got to get back to allowing the Lord to love us and us to love Him. Can I have an amen? But today's message, as I get into it, it is about love and intimacy with the Lord. But it's, it's a tough message that I have to share this morning, um, and I've struggled with it a little bit all week. I will warn you if you have children, uh, I did text junior high parents that this is going to be a PG-13 message. So if you have a junior high or somebody that you don't, a child that you don't want to hear some of the, the rawness of the Word of God today, we're going we're gonna to dive into Galatians 5 today. And I'm going to talk about really some real stuff about what the works of the flesh are. And uh, the Lord really has had me to, um, I don't even know how far I'm going to get, but we're going to talk about the works of the flesh, but from a perspective of not, uh, but of the love of the Father and why he does not want us to participate in the works of the flesh, but he wants us to participate in the things of the Spirit. Can I have an amen on that? But it's going to take this revelation of how much the Father loves us. Because rules without loving relationship from the Father only lead me to rebellion or being passive about his commands. And so if my affection and my love for God, I don't have a perspective of who he really is, He's a good, good father, even though we're seeing people killed in Afghanistan. He's a good, good father. He's a good, good father, even when I don't understand when we have tragic things happen in our lives. He is a good, good father. That's who he is. And so this issue of our love and our desire and our passion for Jesus Christ and our love for him, he is purifying what we believe. He's purifying what we believe of him and his nature and who we are to become as we behold his presence and we, and we get into the word and we see what the word says we're to be and who we're not. Today I'm going to go into who we're not. But you have to understand... When I get into this stuff, if you believe these things are who you are, you will behave them. Or if you believe that God says it's, this stuff's okay because of grace, and you have a sleazy grace or slippery grace, and you believe you have a license to do these things, you will follow what you believe. And so I'm asking that the Holy Spirit will help me as we get in and dive into the word because we've been talking about what we believe really does affect what we behave 
And so, God, I just thank you that you love us. <laughs> I thank you, God, for the economy of words, the anointing that pushes back legalism and religion and pushes us into a loving relationship with you. And so, Lord, I thank you for your help today. And I thank you, God, for your presence with us. So, everybody said, amen. amen. So, the PG-13 warning, if you want to take your kids out here in about 10 minutes, feel free to do that. Um, if not, and you want to, you may have some explaining to do after my message, because I'm not going to get into the, some of the gory details, but I am going to be very specific today. You guys cool with that? All right, good. Because the Word of God is active. The Word of God is a sword. And it comes to penetrate and reveal things to us. And the Word of God is a light to my path. It's a lamp to my feet. It's, it gives me illumination. It gives me revelation of who I am and who I'm to be. Amen? And, and, and the Word is what I'm, my standard of, 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 of what I'm wanting to live up to, right? And we can do it. Say, we can do it. I can actually live the Word. I can actually live the word. Amen. So last week we talked about the problem that Galatia, the churches in Galatia were experiencing. The problem with their believing was what? Judaizers were coming in and infiltrating their ranks. And they were teaching that you, in order to be saved, you must be circumcised. And you must go back to the law and begin to obey the law before you accepted Christ even. Before you, you had to become a Jew first before you were even saved. And so they were teaching the Galatians that you must be circumcised and you must um, come back under the law. And so they were beginning to believe that and their behavior was beginning to follow that. And some of their men started to get circumcised again. They started re going back to the festivals and the 600 laws, the 600 individual laws that the law of Moses commanded that believers must follow. And so they were coming back under that yoke of slavery that the rules are what I'm going to be justified by. I'm going to be justified by the, the rules of the law, and I'm not going to be justified based upon the grace of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. In him, you know, it is through him, and being justified through him. You're not justified through the law. And so that was the truth that Paul came to correct in the Galatian church, and he didn't just collect, correct it in the Galatian church. He collect, corrected it in the Colossian church. He collected, corrected it in the Philippian church. It's amazing how much this teaching of, of getting saved by works, the works of the flesh, the works of doing the right thing. I shouldn't say works of the flesh. The works of the law, doing the right things, that if I do the right things, then I'm clear with God. If I do the right things, I'm then justified. If I do the right things, then I'm clear. My conscience is clear before God. No, my conscience is clear before God because Jesus Christ was my righteousness. Because Jesus' blood actually came and purified me and that I've actually died to sin and that sin no longer lives in me, but Christ lives in me who is the hope of glory. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Oh, it is only Jesus Christ who will deliver me from this body of death. 
And so we talked about that last week that, again, our justification is not what our beha- about our behavior. If you're always focusing on your behavior, your behavior will continue to get bad. I've got to change what I believe. And as I change my belief systems, my behavior will follow what I believe. I used that example with our children. I used Abraham as an example of how we as parents, so many times we focus on the behavior of our children before we even address the, what the children believe. And if you just work on their behavior without dealing with what they believe, their behavior will never change. You have to get to why they believe what they believe. It's their believing that needs to change. We need to increase our believing, right? Everybody say, I need to get better believing. Say, I need to get better at believing. So anyway, Paul clears that issue up in the first four chapters. And he tells them that what they're to believe. And he says, you're to believe that you're justified and saved by grace. And now this week, Paul now begins, as we're going in chapter 5 and chapter 6 of Galatians, Paul now begins to address what they should believe about their behavior. He is going to address behavior, but I want you to pay attention that Paul is not addressing behavior from a perspective of you must do these things, do, 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 do. Paul is addressing their believing. He is addressing that what they need to believe the works of the flesh are, and he is going to talk about what the fruit of the Spirit are and how they are in contrast, they're, they're, they're in conflict with each other. And he's doing this not because he's trying to beat them over the head with a stick about their behavior. He is addressing their believing. And I want to address believing in here today. There are some things that we believe in the church that are not true about behavior. There are things we believe, but because we believe that, our behavior follows that behavior. Or be- that, that, that belief. And so, I want to go to Galatians 5 and start here where Paul begins to address behavior and he addresses believing with that behavior. And he says, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, behavior, but it's also believing, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have actually fallen away from grace. Now, Paul is starting to address, again, the issue of what they're believing about circumcision. But he, again, is addressing that if you believe this, He is telling them, if you believe I have to be circumcised, then I've got to believe the whole law. You've got to follow follow the whole law. He says, Christ is not going to be of any value to you. Faith in Christ, you're going to come out of grace. You're going to come away from, I mean, it's really some dangerous words what he's saying. Because Christ is not going to be, and again, he's addressing Christ. The belief of circumcision. He's, believe, he's addressing what they believe that Jesus Christ has done for them, is what he's doing here. And then we go on in the next verse, in 6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, 
neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Say no value. The only thing that counts, everybody say the only thing that counts. How many want to know what the only thing that counts is? Is faith expressing itself through love. Everybody say that with me. Faith expressing itself through love. Now I want to hone in on this a little bit. Faith we know is what? Strong confidence and reliance upon Christ. Faith is believing. So Paul is dressing their, the, the, what he wants. The one thing that counts is your believing and your believing expressing itself in love. Your believing leading to acts of love. Your believing leading you, expressing your faith through love. Your, your believing will express, even that word expressing itself in the Greek there is works. That, that God is saying through Paul, your, your believing will bring about the works and he wants the works to come through love. He doesn't want them to come through obligation. How many in this room have ever made a meal for somebody out of obligation versus love? Do you think you got any credit in the kingdom of heaven for that? He wants that expression coming through love. Obligation is part of the law. There's a big difference. Does anybody see the difference with that? He's wanting, and I've done it. We've all done it. Because we know we need to love well. We need to serve well. We need to do well. We need to do it right. We need to help people. We need to do it right. But he's saying, I want your believing to be expressed through love, not through obligation. I want the motivation of your heart. I want it to be love. He goes on in telling what love is. Oh, yeah, that's, I should have showed that. The only thing that matters is faith, strong confidence, and relying on Christ. Believing and trusting in him, what you believe, being expressed itself in love, your behavior or your works, expressed through love. And he shows then, begins to talk about in Galatians 5, what love looks like. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Everybody say, I'm free. free. Why are you free? Because of Jesus, right? Not because you're walking completely in freedom yet, right? You're working towards it, right? You're in process, right? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, my quotations, use your freedom to indulge in serving one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other other god bless that now paul is teaching here he said he, he, he ultimately says don't you know the freedom that he's talking about is coming the freedom of coming out from under the law and doing certain things to be justified 
to being under grace, the freedom of Christ, where my, my justification and my salvation isn't based upon what I'm doing. But yet he's also saying that my faith and my love for God will actually express itself out in love with people. That actually the sign of true maturity, and I know Tony said this yesterday, actually the sign of maturity is not how much you know the word of God. The actual sign of maturity is how I am advancing in loving people. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. <laughs> and so how are you maturing and growing in love? And so he talks about loving one another there. And he's teaching them that the motivation of their heart should be loving others well. That my believing, my faith, my good believing will move me to love people well. My good believing, my good believing will lead me to love people well. Say that with me. My good believing will lead me to love people well. My good believing <laughs> will help me to love people well. <laughs> I want you engaged, can you tell? So Christ, did he not love you in your brokenness? Just out of curiosity. Did anybody come to Christ, had it all figured out? Anybody come to Christ saying, I'm pretty righteous. No, none of us came to Christ knowing that, did we? Has anybody become completely righteous since you believed? Yes and no. Yes, I am completely righteous in Christ. I have taken on the righteousness of Christ. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but he lives in me. I am righteous, I am holy, I am pure by faith. That's who I am. That is my new nature. That nature is becoming more natural for me. My sin nature is not who I am. Can I have an amen on that? The person beside you, husband or wife, that's not their nature. But we're to use our freedom to love and bless others, not yourself and not your flesh. And so when Paul starts to go into the works of the flesh, I, I really want to make it clear today, I am not coming, and I, I, it's like, Lord, how help me with this. Golly, it's almost 20 to 12. Praise the Lord. Paul is not going to direct, I'm, uh, let's just go, I won't go there. So Paul then goes over this list of behaviors that are not loving others well. But it's actually about loving yourself well. <laughs> okay? And so Paul is teaching them that what they should believe about these behaviors is that these behaviors, which he calls are the acts of the flesh, this list Paul gives us by, is no uh, exhaustive list by any, chance, by any means. But Paul is wanting us to believe well. He's wanting to bring these acts of the flesh to our knowledge, to the church in Galatia, so that they know what God expects. And here are the list. And there's 15 of them. And Paul begins to show the Galatians what they need to believe. Now, it's kind of funny. The acts of the flesh, it says, are obvious. Now, for some reason, they don't seem to be that obvious in our culture. 
And I've got some suspicion on why, and I propose why that is, but we won't go there today for the sake of time. But here's what I'm going to attempt to do today, and I'm not going to probably have enough time to get it all done, but I am going to, what I felt compelled by the Lord, is to explain what these things mean. And to explicitly tell you what God is saying he doesn't want us to participate in. But why? And so he says that the acts of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is addressing a lot of issues that in the church, these things happen. Believers do these things quite often. Why did it get so quiet? Most of what you see on the board right there are loving self, self-love. The reason Paul is addressing these issues is he is wanting them to believe that these are wrong. He's wanting the people to believe these are wrong because if they believe they're wrong, their behavior will follow. Okay? And so what I want to do, and honestly, when I started doing the study on this, I actually didn't know what some of these were. I thought I did. And so you're going to get a real good taste of what this stuff is. Are you guys ready for a PG-13? Okay, on this video, no. <laughs> See, if I don't teach you what the Word of God says, the world, will teach you, the world will teach you something else. I have a responsibility for God that we have to let our kids and all of us know what this garbage stuff is, right? Amen. So we're going to bring it. So, sexual immorality. That is wonderful. Fornication, another word. But it comes from the Greek word pornea. I wonder what that word might come from. I used to have an addiction to porn. I used to struggle with it off and on. It wasn't a lifestyle. It was I would fall into it. I would get out, repent. I would fall back into it. I would repent. It wasn't a lifestyle. You guys know the story. God set me free, and I have to continue to guard my heart. That's every man's battle. And it is a real thing. But porn is not what this is talking about yet. We'll get to porn. I want to make it very clear right now, and I want us to, to realize that this word sexual immorality is a broad term when Paul uses it right here. And I want to say <clears throat> that the world wants, to celebrate, wants you to celebrate, the world wants you to celebrate sex. And in America, sex has become a god. It's become an idol. And uh, God, God wants, and America's done a terrible job of letting us think that it's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing within the position and the confounds of what God has established it. People do not like what God says about sex. People do not like what God says about sex. 
They believe God's position is wrong about sex. They will call you judgmental, hypocritical. They will tell you that you are old school. They will tell you you are a dinosaur. And as Tom taught not too long ago, expect persecution for believing what I'm saying. Because the world thinks you're nuts. Can I have a witness on that? But Paul's wanting the Galatian church to know the truth about sexual immorality. And here's what I want to say and say it loud and I'll get into some more of the details. Sexual immorality is essentially the engagement in sexual acts. Sexual acts outside of the sanctity of marriage between a male and a female husband and wife. I repeat, I repeat, <laughs> it is the engagement in sexual acts outside of marriage, the sanctity of marriage between a husband and a wife. And let me be more specific, sex and sexual acts outside of marriage include adultery, friends with benefits, bestiality, rape, sodomy, bisexuality, prostitution, homosexual acts, and other acts, oral sex, sorry, oral sex is sex. It deals with lust. It deals with a sex act. The world tells you it is not. Teenagers, it is. Swinging. I could go through all the list of anything revolving around sex and sexual relations outside of the marriage covenant. God says, I don't want you to participate in this. You having any sex or sex acts without, with anyone outside of marriage, the Bible is saying is wrong. Everybody say amen. amen. Say that hurts. And what you believe about sex or your sexuality is what you will behave. I have many, many people who have, over the course of 20-some years, who have told me I had no clue it was wrong to have sex before marriage. Have, uh, you wouldn't believe it. I have no, didn't know, realize it was wrong. Now, Paul is not declaring that it is wrong because God doesn't want you to have fun. And... I'm going to get into this when I talk about the next one, which is impurity, because impurity talks about defiling oneself. And the issue that I'm going to go through with all these acts of the flesh are the fact that we truly are defiling ourselves. And the word defiling means to take that which is holy and to pollute it. So the purpose of all these acts of the flesh is not that God doesn't want you to enjoy it. He actually thinks you are sanctified. He thinks you're special. He thinks you're set apart. He thinks you're amazing. He thinks that he doesn't want you to be polluted with the things of this world. He wants to keep you for himself and for your bride or your spouse. And that gift is for someone else because it represents the union between Jesus Christ and his lovely church, his bride. And what he's saying is, immorality, when you give yourself to that stuff, you're taking that which you are pure and you're holy. Remember, we are the righteousness of Christ. I am holy. I am unblemished. I am beyond reproach. I am actually loved by God. I am pure before him. And he doesn't want that to be united with something that is unclean. 
I was made that way. I just have those feelings. I just have this, you know, I just have this urge. Men can't not. I know it appears that way. I know it appears that men, and and it's not just men, trust me, it's men and women, that we think that we cannot, if, if you believe you can abstain from sex, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it can be done. But it cannot be done out of obligation. It cannot be done out of gritting your teeth. It cannot be done through mustering up the strength or tying a knot in it or whatever. You, that's not how it's going to be done. It's going to be through love. It's going to be through devotion. It's going to be through gazing upon the beauty of His holiness and getting a perspective of who I am in Him. And when I see how special I am, I don't give my specialness away. I don't give my glory away and pollute it and defile it. It is a gift from God to be given to one. And that one got it. I know, and I'm going to get a little vulnerable in college. I knew sex was wrong. I did. I would not have sex with anyone. Now, I can't say that I was pure and I was holy. I had lust just like every other man had. And I was warring. And the Bible says that there is this war that goes on in the inside of you. And that war is a sign that you're born of the Spirit. That war that's inside of you is a clue to you that you've been given a new nature. That there's something on the inside of you that knows this stuff is wrong. Can I have an amen on that? And when I give myself to that stuff and I begin to give myself to it, my heart begins to get hard. And I begin to get hard to the precious gift of conviction. And that's why it's so dangerous. Because usually it's just a slow fade when you give yourself away. You just give a little here, then you give a little here. And for all of a sudden you say, how in the world did I get over here? It's because I made these little compromises. These little compromises. Man, I can remember when I was dating Karen, I could not be alone with her. It was at her parents' house. It was at my parents' house. I'm sorry, I'm just, it's the way it is. And we had to set boundaries. We had to set healthy boundaries. I wasn't righteous in my thoughts. I had impure thoughts. And we would talk on the phone. And we would make a, make a pact with each other. When I come over, you ain't touching me and I ain't touching you. <laughs> Can I have a witness? Because we are sexual by nature. There is something God has pushed in us to have intimacy with a person, an individual that God has called yours. A covenant relationship. It is in there. And every one of you are sexual in nature. And it's not to be perverted. It's not bad. Glory, it is good. (laughs) Really good. Within the boundaries of what God has called it to be under. So any sex out of marriage. I spent a lot of time on that because that's one of the big, big, big ones within our culture, within our young people. 
But all I can say is set boundaries, young people. All I can say is be in agreement with the one you're dating. That you know you want God before you want each other. That you want God before your lust. That you want God before the cravings of your sinful nature. Because you are not a sinner. You were never created to be a sinner. When God created man, his desire was never for us to be a sinner. It was never created that way. Man made a choice, and even now in sexual immorality, you have a choice. You can't say, well, I didn't have a choice. It just happened. Oh, Lord have mercy. It didn't just happen. Now, I'm not saying there's condemnation. If you're struggling in this area, trust me, the, pro- the thing is, is God is celebrating progress, not perfection. God is saying, will you sanctify this unto me? Will you give this part of your life and make it holy unto me? Will you set a boundary for me and say, oh, that's not me. I'm too holy for that. I belong to Christ. No, I want to set myself apart as one unto the Lord. On all these issues, every one of these issues is based upon devotion and love. So my question is, is what will you believe? What you believe about sex or your sexuality is what you will behave. If you believe it is okay, if you believe God made you that way, if you believe what you believe will dictate what your behavior is. And Paul was confronting what they believed about sex. And God wants you to know the truth about sex so that you can believe well. And your believing well can lead to great behavior that you will follow. Can I have an amen on that? I want to just point out two scriptures while we're on sex. In Ephesians 5, 3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Can everybody say sexual immorality is improper for me? I can't even say the word sex. Yep, that thing's in, that's not right for me. Sex. Sex. Everybody say sex. Okay. We got it off, the, off our chest. Yep, that thing too. The second thing about sexual immorality, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each man or each woman her own husband. What is that implying to you? What is the world telling you these days? You can do whatever you want. Guys, I am not here to condemn homosexuals. I am not here to condemn. I love you. I love you with all my heart. I do. I'm telling us what the Word of God says. These are acts of the flesh. If you believe opposite of this, your behavior will follow. And I want to help you free get you free from anything that might be plaguing you, whether it's adultery, because adultery is the same sin, it's sexual immorality, whether it is any of the list that I just made. I am not zeroing in on just homosexuality or uh, these other ones. They're all sexual immorality. Can I have an amen? I love we are a church who are bringing people out of sexual immorality into wholeness. We are a church who are bringing people out of sin into light. We are a church who is raising up holy people who love Jesus and conform their life to the, to the, to the Lord. 
And that is a process, and we will help people in that process. Never condemning, never judging, always loving. Can I have an amen? Always loving. But I love you enough to tell you what the Word of God says. And again, Paul is teaching them what they're to believe because he doesn't want love to be hindered in your life. Because we are all created for intimacy. Okay, this... Yeah, I forgot I put that in my notes. Yeah, is that right? Oh, why? Oh, I've really messed things up now. Could you guys take me back to the beginning? <laughs> Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Which way do I go? Yep, done that, done that, done that. Okay. Man. Did that. Did that. Yeah, we're there. Paul says, I warn you as I did before. <laughs> what are you guys laughing at? <laughs> you just think you're perfect, right? <laughs> you try getting up here under these lights. You'll think something else. Man, it gets warm under these lights. Does anybody else get hot up here on stage? I just didn't know if it was what goes well insulated or not. Okay, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is Paul talking about there? That's not where I wanted to go. Back up. Oh, really? <laughs> I am driving Tom crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just go to the second one. Everybody say second one. Okay, the second one on that list is impurity. And I've got just a few minutes to get through these. Okay. Wow. You are obviously coming to part two next week, <laughs> or part three. What is impurity? The word impurity, when it says, you know, that it is a work of the flesh, is to defile oneself. Uncleanness related to sexual sin, lust, and uh, evil thoughts. These are the things that pornography and masturbation and incest, pedophilia, sexting, sexual chats, sexual joking, sexual flirting, seducing people sexually, impurity in thought, fantasy, books, TV, violence, what you put in defiles you, what a man puts in himself. It's, Jesus said in Matthew 15, it's not what you put in yourself, it's what comes out that defiles you. And so he was talking about what comes out like murder and greed and lying and cheating. That's what defiles a man. So there's these things that we do and we participate in that literally defiles us. It, 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 the word defile means to desecrate something sacred to desecrate or to spoil something sacred. The issue with all these sins, and I said it before, is you are special. You are sacred. You are set apart. You are holy. You are unto the Lord. God sees you as so precious. He sees you as the righteousness of God. He sees you as his husband. Or his wife, excuse me. <laughs> Come on, help me. He sees you as his wife. We are the bride of Christ. He sees us. He's coming back to a holy bride. He's coming back for a pure, spotless bride. He can't wait. He's already with us, 
but he's looking as, as, as holy. Debauchery is the word that means indulgence in sensual pleasures. Licentiousness. A disregard for laws, rules, and morals. A disregard for laws, rules, and morals. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual laws. It can be the laws of the land. That you cast off restraint is what the, that's talking about there. Unrestrained sensual pleasures. Indulgence in sex, drugs, alcohol, marked by a disregard for others or the consequence of it. That you're literally hurting other people and you don't care. It's all about you, debauchery. What do you believe about debauchery? All those unrestrained sensual pleasures. That's where our world is going. Casting off all restraint. If it feels good, I think you've heard that before. If it feels good, this side heard. If it feels good, do it. Don't judge me. I'm going to keep moving fast. Idolatry. In the New Testament, idolatry was a thing where they worshipped an idol, a material thing that represented a god, right? So a little statue of Buddha, a little st- statue of Asherah, uh, the, the, uh, all the other gods that they had, and they were to have no other graven idols before God, right? Um, not too many people are having little Buddhas in their houses these days. Nobody's sitting down before an idol worshiping Mother Teresa or Mother Mary or any other graven image. Hopefully in this house, you're not doing any of that. <clears throat> so what are our idols? Come here, Shelly. Go ahead, lift it up. Thank you. You read my mind. How many get a panic attack when you forget your phone at home? That's just one of many of our idols. That was a little lower in my list, but you got it right away, so good job. One of the things on describing idol worship is it says image worship. What I propose to you that we worship our image. Everybody on Facebook is given an image. Ever seen anybody doctor up their picture? How do you girls get them veins sticking out right here? You guys got it figured out. You do something with your face and it goes, these things go, it makes you look tender right here. Get rid of your double chin. Oh yeah, I miss Photoshopper over here. She get paid for image. I propose to you that we have a graven image of ourself. That actually we're little gods and we're worshiping our pleasure. We're worshiping what we want. We're worshiping ease. We're worshiping easy life. We're worshiping stuff that makes us look good.
your money, your popularity, your status, your sports, your family, your marriage. I cannot tell you how many young adults that they are longing so hard to be married. And I get it because God wants it. He wants you to flee sexual immorality and all that stuff. But marriage has become such an idol in our culture. Even in the church, we rush people into marriage and, oh, you want to get together with him? Is he the right one? Is she the right one? That never happens at New Covenant, does it? <laughs> we worship safety and security. We worship body image. We worship movie stars. We worship bands. I was talking to uh, a gentleman who came to spray. F I had bee, a bee problem, and he was getting rid of my bees for me because they were going to, they were on my lovely porch that I have with my Jesus time, and they were swarming all the way. And he said he went to a country co concert here recently at Deer, whatever that place is called now. It changes about every five years, whoever pays the highest amount of money to get it. So, <laughs> so you know that place where they do the outdoor concerts? And he said, uh, he said, Eric, I could, I, he said, my kids wanted to go to this concert. And I said, okay. He said, got front rows up there for them and all that stuff, VIP. He said, I couldn't believe. He said, the women were, they were worshiping the band. They were taking off their bras and they were taking off clothes and they were throwing it up to the stage. And it, licentiousness, what was that word that I just used? They were acting like these people were, you know, gods and they were, they, I mean, like, like Mick Jacker and, you know, how they do I mean, it was just like they were throwing themselves all over the stage. And I was like, That should not be so of God's people. Can I have an amen on that? But we've made images of people and rock stars and all these things as so important. And the Bible calls it idolatry. And it says those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. What do you believe your idols are? What do you believe are the idols in your house that we're to be fleeing from? Can I have an amen on that? I'm going to press on. Witchcraft, 1204, praise the Lord. I knew this might happen. You guys okay with this? Yes. Witchcraft, the practice of magic, black magic, white magic, whatever magic you want to call it, it doesn't make it pure or holy, black or white. It is magic. Hexes, spells, curses, manipulation of others is under the title of witchcraft. Manipulating other people to love you. Manipulating people to get sex. Manipulating people to want you. Manipulating people to get stuff is like witchcraft. Can I say amen? Which, that falls under witchcraft. Christians manipulate people all the time. So we are in witchcraft and don't know it. Rebellion is witchcraft. Rebellion is witchcraft teenagers if you're in rebellion you're actually participating in witchcraft tarot cards seance conjuring the dead dabbling in the occult making potions divination meditation horoscopes sorcery making of drugs and using of drugs actually come under witchcraft because it alters you it's playing with the demonic drugs come under witchcraft A little bit of dope won't hurt you. A little bit of this won't hurt you. What you believe, you'll behave. What you believe, you'll behave. Paul is trying to get them to believe that these things are not good for them. That this stuff is not what is appropriate for God's people. 
and sometimes we dabble. And God wants us to come clean and get free from this stuff. Here's a big one. The next one is hatred. Oh, you guys don't ever deal with hatred. The word hatred in the Greek means intense dislike. Disgust with feelings of ill will towards others. A strong aversion or avoidance. Ever tried to avoid somebody? Oh, aisle 13, alert, alert. (laughs) (laughs) I love you, but I don't like you. What also falls under hatred is self-hatred and self-harm. But hatred has this intense hostility usually deriving from fear, anger, or a sense of injury from someone. So you have this sense of injury. Somebody's injured you or injured somebody you love, and your anger is going towards them. And the Bible says that those who live like that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But and me and David just had this conversation this morning. Dang, on. What's going on in Afghanistan? And you get brothers who are getting killed in the Marines. It's like, give me an AK-47, buddy. We'll take care of those infidels. That's a real feeling. That's a real anger. When you see people exploiting girls for sex trafficking. You see the young boys getting abused. <clears throat> and God says, I'm wanting you to be motivated not out of rage and anger and revenge, but I want you to be motivated out of love. That anger never produces the righteous heart of God, but I want you to be led by love. How do I love them? When they hurt you or they hurt someone you love. Hatred. Intense aversion. And I think in the church it gets a little easy to, I mean, the intense with Afghanistan and that militia or sex trafficking or that kind of stuff, that kind of hatred. There is a righteous indignation that I believe that we need to walk under. And I'm not talking about that. I I realize it should cause us to pray. It should be coming against the gates of hell and it should be declaring the kingdom of heaven advancing in those situations. Can I have an amen? But I think in the church, what we wrestle with is the guy we avoid in the church or the girl we avoid in the church or because they believe this or because they believe that or you saw what they posted on Facebook and there's this disdain, there's this thing inside of you you go where I think I'm just going to avoid you. Why is that not in the heart of God? We must see each other as precious. Even when those who have jacked up issues, who require lots of maintenance and lots of grace, 
and wear you out. Is I've got to see them not after the flesh, but love compels me to see them as the way God sees them. Is man, you are precious. We had a gentleman that came to this church for many, many years. And I can't say his name publicly. But it was one of the best things that God ever did for New Covenant to teach us how to love. He was abusive towards himself. He would hit himself. He would go to our bathrooms and have a fight with himself. He would end up on her front lawn having a fight in her yard at 10 o'clock at night and all kinds of things. But it taught this church how to love well. Can I have a witness on that? Let's move on from hatred. Then there's the word discord. Can you guys stay a little longer? Okay. Actually. <laughs> Here's where I'm struggling, is when I talk about the acts of the flesh, I'm wanting to talk about them from a perspective of, it feels like a downer. You know, it's like I'm talking about what's wrong rather than what's right. And it's hard when you're preaching this stuff because, and, and I'm going to divert from this for right now, um, it's hard when you're preaching this stuff because I don't want us to focus on our behavior. I want to focus on our believing. Because it's my believing that changes me. But I also must understand that these behaviors are contrary to the Word of God. These behaviors, I must believe that they're wrong. And so I can, you can go and study this list and begin to do a, your own study on what they mean. But the issue is the reason I felt compelled by the Lord to bring them to us today is so many times we don't know what they are. It's like the, one of the last ones that we're, we were going to talk about was orgies. I thought orgy was just a sex fest. But orgy is, an, is, 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 I mean, you can have an orgy in buying. You can have an orgy in eating. When you look up the word on what it actually meant, it's not just an orgy with sexual relations, but it's, it's orgy with, with even alcohol that leads to sexual behavior. And I thought that it was just that, but it's actually, then I had to say, well, dear God, I've had an orgy with food before. Anybody else? And so, thank God my wife isn't a shopper till she droppers. But the, 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 the literally, that is an overindulgence in an activity. And so my heart is, I don't want to condemn us if God's wanting to draw us out of these behaviors. He, he said, you used to live like this, but you no longer do because you've been made in the righteousness of Christ. But we've got to talk about this stuff because, man, if you believe this stuff is okay, it's tolerable. I can do it. I can dabble. And that's what's really rough in this new generation, the younger generation, is they think it's okay to be a Christian and dabble. It's okay to be a born-again lover of God, and if I do this stuff outside of it, that the grace of God covers me, and that it's okay. If you believe that, you will behave that. 
And that's why I'm talking today. That's why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. Because, guys, we have to change what we believe. We have to look at what the Word of God says. And it says, flee from this. Have not even a hint of sexual immorality in your life. There is a reason why I don't meet with women. I don't want to have the hint of sexual immorality. I meet with women at a restaurant in front of everybody publicly if I have to. But I don't even want the hint of sexual impropriety. I don't even want to say, well, what's Eric meeting with that girl for? I had a situation years ago, and I was going to meet with the husband, or they were getting ready to get married. And I was going to meet with them here, and I was here, and, and I was waiting for them to show up for their counseling session because they were kind of going at it. And I'm, this has been years ago, so I can share it. But she had been a model at one time, and not a very good model. Okay, and so they were coming for marriage counseling or premarital counseling. She walks in the door, madder than a hornet, throws her stuff down, sits down right out there. He's not coming. I said, "Then we ain't meeting." I said, "We got to go outside, uh, in the, out here in the uh, parking lot because I cannot meet with you in this building by myself. I ain't going to do it." And so I marched right out there with her, and she goes, what are you talking about? I ain't going to do it. I said, I ain't gonna, it ain't about you. And as soon as I got out there, and we were talking by my truck, and we were talking about re-meeting, here comes Alger pulling in the truck. Now, what do you think it would look like with Alger, with me, with some beautiful babe on the sofas out here? You think that would look very good? How about a teenager walking in? Have nothing to do with it. Flee from even the hint of it. If somebody says you see me with a woman by myself in a dark car, you can tell them they is lying. <laughs> Ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. 30-foot pole. 55, 50, 55, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 65. 85, 85, not even 90 feet. Stand up with me. I'm going to land the plane. I could have went over the others and I would encourage you to do this maybe in your family this week in your discipleship group this was the chapter that we were reading what I didn't get to that sums it all up is all these are the works of the flesh and he says that if you live like this you will not inherit the kingdom of God and that living if you live like this is definitely a is not that you're struggling with this you will not inherit the kingdom of God you can struggle with something we all do there's not anybody in this house that doesn't struggle with something that's trying to master them every one of us and you will have something you're overcoming the rest of your life because we are becoming Everybody say, I'm becoming. I'm becoming like Jesus. <laughs> and so I want you to understand when I talk about these things, it's not talking about if you have a struggle. I struggled with pornography at one time. My friends, I was not living in pornography. I was struggling with it, and I was winning. I was getting beat. I was winning. I was getting beat. But I was pressing towards the holiness of, of God because I'm holy and I'm set apart and the conviction of the Spirit of God and the conviction of my wife was riding tail so 
So I don't want to send a message to you that if you're living in this struggle, that you're going to hell. You are not going to hell. You are the righteousness of God if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But it takes being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit to overcome these things in your life. You cannot do it without the power of God. You cannot do it without knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You cannot overcome the works of the flesh without the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I have somebody say that is true? And so if you want prayer today, if you're struggling with any of these areas, we're going to have the altar team come up and all that stuff. And if you want prayer, we want to pray for you. But I do not want you leaving here condemned, beaten up. I want you leaving here that, wow, I've got to increase my believing. The thing that I want you leaving is I've got to increase my believing. I've got to say, yes, I am not, I do not believe sexual immorality is right for me. I do not believe debauchery. I do not believe hatred. I do not believe all these things are what are right for me. Those things are for sure wrong. I will not participate in them. And I will get freedom. I will get emotional healing. I will get our, with our emotional healing team. I will get freedom from that stuff. Can I have an amen on that? I will get help. To get free from that stuff. That's what I'm asking you to commit to today. I'm asking you to commit to getting free from the things that are trying to master you. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or sexual immorality or any of that stuff. I'm praying that God will begin to convict you and make you realize that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You are not to be held captive. You're to be a conqueror. You're not to be held captive, you're a conqueror. Do you hear me? You're not to be held captive, you're a conqueror. You're not to be held captive, you're a conqueror. The word there says more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror <laughs> through Christ Jesus. So Father, I thank you for that. And Father, I just pray that God, you would begin to change our believing in this house. Father, we submit these things to you and say, God, I pray that God, you would begin to settle the issue in people's hearts about these, these works of the flesh. And that God, you would begin to increase our believing you for the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Father, I thank you that you, the fruit of the Spirit, is self-control. I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And against such things, there is no law. <laughs> and that's who we are. We are your righteousness. We are love. We are joy. We are peace. We are patience. We are kindness. Because that's who you are. So, Father, I pray that you would sanctify our minds this week. Father, as we war with this truth, Father, I thank you that you're changing what we believe so that our behavior will change and follow it. Father, we yield this stuff to you. And, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen.